Well, good morning. Welcome again to another Bible teaching from the Bible teaching ministry of A Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. Uh, today we will continue on in our study of the book of Acts. And we have come now to chapter 15. So please go ahead if you're able to do so. You have a Bible nearby. Um, open it up to the book of Acts chapter 15. I'm going to try to go through the whole chapter this morning here. Uh, at the end of chapter 14, if you remember, we saw where the Apostle Paul, along with Barnabas, had returned to their home church in the city of Antioch, where we are told that they would stay there for a long time. That's what we were told at the end of chapter 14, that they would stay in that city for a long time, which was their home church. So as I mentioned in our study of chapter 14, it was during this long stay in Antioch that the Apostle Paul would write his letter to the Galatians. So when you read the book of Galatians, it was written during this time that Paul stayed in Antioch. And Paul was very upset as he wrote the letter of Galatians because after he had left the churches where he and Barnabas had preached the gospel and set up elders, there were some men that came in and came in after them and began to preach to the new Gentile believers that the men had to be circumcised and to keep the law of Moses. And this made Paul very angry and when you read Galatians, you can see how upset he was. And in this chapter of Acts here, chapter 15, Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, is going to start out here by talking about that situation. He's going to talk about those circumstances that I just mentioned. So hopefully you have your Bibles open there, chapter 15, verse 1. It says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, so these are the believers, teaching them that unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas, it says, had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. So, as Paul and Barnabas head out now, they are headed to, to do or headed to a place that we call today the Jerusalem Council, right? And verse 3 continues and says, So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. So what we see here in verse 3 is that Paul and Barnabas did not just take a leisurely, a leisurely trip up to Jerusalem, but rather they made every step of the journey count by continuing to spread the good news all along the way. And all of us as servants of the living God must be sure that we too make our steps count for the glory of God as we journey through this temporary life to our final destination. We need to be focused on the will of the Lord and what he wants for us and uh, you know, what his desire is for us for our lives. And when they, when it says when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. So 
Remember here, as I mentioned to you in previous teachings, uh, there was one church, one body in every city. And now they had come to be received by the church that is, that is the body of believers that was in Jerusalem. Okay, So they made their way up there. The church received them. And uh, in Jerusalem is where the original apostles had remained when the persecution arose. A lot of people, when the persecution started in Jerusalem, believers began to scatter everywhere and go throughout the world. And that had a positive uh, effect on the world because as they were scattered, as they were forced to leave their homeland, they began to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in the other places they would go. And that's how God used them to spread the gospel. But the apostles, the original um, 12, the original 11, 12 that Jesus chose, you know, that were up there in Jerusalem, they remained there in Jerusalem and founded the church that was there in Jerusalem. So here we have Paul and Barnabas going back there to discuss this problem because, again, these men came down from Judea, Jerusalem, in that area and started this problem with all these new believers telling the men that they had to be circumcised. So Paul and Barnabas are dealing with this situation, going up and talking to James and Peter and the other apostles that are in Jerusalem. Okay, So that's what's happening here in this story. Then in verse 5, it says, But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So he's trying to, the Pharisees here are trying to keep them under the bondage of the law, right? So now, but we see who it is here. It's those with the Pharisaical background that were demanding such a thing. But keep in mind, the church was very, very young here, still in its infancy, and it was filled with new believers. And just like us, as we continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord on a daily basis, um, I know for sure I'm still learning and have a lot more to learn as it pertains to God. God is so big, so awesome. How can we grasp it all, right? I don't claim to be an expert at all. So these men here that were teaching this doctrine had a lot of growing to do as well. And that's how you have to look at this. Yeah, they're stepping up and trying to impose a religion upon these men, their old religion, right? As opposed to, you know, the freedom that we have in Christ to live for Christ, right? But verse 6 says, Now the apostles and the elders came together to consider the matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So now Peter is talking about here something that we read about back in Acts chapter 10 where he had gone to the house of a Gentile man that is a non-Jew, a man named Cornelius, and, and Peter had shared the gospel with them. And the, men of, the people of that house received the gospel. And the, this Jerusalem council was 15 years after that meeting of Peter. So when you go from Acts chapter 10 to Acts chapter 15 that we're in today, there was a 15-year period that had passed. And it's important that you keep that in mind as you read the Bible. It's not like this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's a recorded history over a period of time. And as we read the book of Acts, we're reading about the foundation of the church. 
the early Christians and how the gospel began to spread. And if they were to write everything down, I mean, the Bible would be, you know, how thick would the Bible have to be if everything that happened was written down? So this is kind of a history of all that was going on. So Peter's bringing up this fact and saying, hey, keep in mind here, I went to the Gentiles 15 years ago and shared the gospel with them, and they came to Christ. So Peter's trying to defend what Paul and Barnabas are standing up here for, right? And Peter continues in verse 8 and says, So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. So, so remember, the Jews were the ones that received the gospel originally. The, the, the gospel went to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But the Jews, when they received the gospel, they thought it was all for them. They thought this was God's whole plan. It's just all about us. It's all for us. But they had to, they had to break that barrier and realize, no, this is for all the world. Jesus came to save all the world. So Peter's standing up here and saying, hey, the Gent I was there. I was there when the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. And they received it just like we did, he says. Then in verse 9, he said, and made no distinction, speaking of God, right? Made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts, how? By faith, it says, right? Now, therefore, Peter says, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? In other words, Peter's saying, this was too much on us, all the law and everything like that. Why are we trying to put the law on them? Why are we trying to put this back on them? And then he says in verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So, so you see, whether it's a Jew or whether, whether it's the rest of the Gentile world, God shows no partiality when it comes to who can be saved. doesn't matter what race you are or nothing like that. Nothing matters. It's for the whole world. His free offer of grace is offered to everybody. Every race of people can come to faith in Jesus by repenting and being born again of the Spirit, coming to faith in Jesus. Then verse, now today, let me just interject something here. Today we have, I mean, how many religions do we have in the, even in just in the name of Christianity today. People come up with so many different things, just like these men did here in this chapter. The Pharisees, they say, hey, let's put this, let's make this rule. Let's make them do this. Let's make them do that, you know, or whatever. But Peter steps up, and Paul and Barnabas are fighting for this, and they step up and say, no, it's by the grace of God. It's a free gift offered to whosoever will can come and be saved, right? Verse 12 continues, Then the multitude kept silent, it says. So all of those that were listening to Peter speak here, right? All of them kept si silent, and then they listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders of God that God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So Paul is testifying, hey, look, how can we deny this? Look at the miracles. Look at the signs and wonders. Look what's happening in the lives of these people. How can we say that God's not working in their lives? You know, so, but it's something how we as people, 
you know, can get set on our religion, right? So that we can miss the work of God sometimes too, because we're so set on the way that we want to do things or the way we interpret things, right? The Jews were indeed a people that were indeed chose, chosen by God, but they didn't understand the full plan of God yet, so they still had to learn that. And that's what we're reading about here. All of the full plan of God is still unfolding, right? Now, we have the advantage today of reading it as history in our Bibles, so we know the end of the story, but we sure don't know everything. But we have to keep in mind as we see these Pharisees and such that, that had come to Jesus. These were Pharisees that had come to the Lord, but they had things to grow. You know, first, um, things to grow in, I should say. 1 Corinthians 2.9 tells us that it says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. So you see, it's beyond us sometimes what God is doing. But we, that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. We, we trust in the Lord. We, we, we do what we can to put our lives in, in line with the commands of the Lord and to obey Him and to trust Him and to keep our eyes fixed on Him. But we don't know everything, okay? And the Jews of that day only knew what they were living and what they were experiencing, and they had a lot to learn and grow in in God's ultimate plan. And his plan was to offer salvation to all of mankind, as we'll see the Apostle James will state here in just a few minutes, right? But we need to be sure even today that we don't become set in certain traditions, our religious rules and regulations, right? We have been born again, not of flesh and blood, the Bible tells us, but we've been born again of the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 3, it says, that the wind blows where, where it wishes. Jesus said this. He said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. And he says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying, that's what it's like when we're born of the Spirit. We walk by faith. Sometimes we don't know where we just came from or where we're going, but we continue to trust in the Lord and press on. We have to allow ourselves to be submitted to God in such a way that we are flexible and willing to yield to the leading of His Holy Spirit, right? And this is what we can learn from these passages that we're reading about today. The Spirit of the Lord works in ways that many religions and many church traditions will not accept, okay? It's unfortunate, but it's true. The Lord desires to seek and to save the lost, and, and the lost are everywhere. And, no, no, and none is excluded from coming to faith in Him through repentance. So verse 13 continues and says, And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. So now James is speaking, the Apostle James. And he says, Simon has declared, that's Peter, Okay, Simon is Peter. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. Now he's going to quote a prophecy here, right? After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. So, and then he goes on, he says, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, 
even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. So James recognizes here that God is in control, that God is doing something. God knows his plans and he knows what he's doing. And we don't make God's plans for him, right? We are to just go along with his plans. Oftentimes that's difficult. Oftentimes in life, we want things to go a certain way that we conjure up in our minds, certain plans that we want to happen, the way we want things to go. But we're really not trusting in God in those moments to say, God, you lead me, you guide me, your, your will be done, right? God's plan, ultimate plan, was about so loving the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever can come, right? It's Jesus that we need. It's the Spirit of the Lord in us that we need and not our own religion and our own philosophies and such like that, right? And James goes on in verse 19 and says this. He, he's given kind of like a final judgment here to this whole meeting, this what we call the Jerusalem council here. And he says, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. So here we see that it seems as if James was kind of the chief decision maker in the church in Jerusalem, right? And keep in mind here that Paul knew his calling though, right? That's why he went up here to, 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 you know, to confront this issue. Paul knew that he, what he was called by God to do. And he's, going, he's saying, I'm not accepting this. You're not going to come in and tell these churches that I'm building down here, that I'm teaching these people, that I'm, you know, pouring my heart into and giving them the Lord, you're not going to come down here and tell them they've got to keep this religious ceremony or they've got to do this. So Paul stands up and he goes and he confronts them along with Barnabas and then James makes his decision. But James goes on and he's going to give some suggestions here. He says in verse 20, he says, But that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from things strangled, by blood. So there, these things make sense here, right? They, they weren't going to put all the, birdies, the burdens of Judaism, their religion, you know, their past religion that they all were founded and grew up in, they weren't going to put that on the Gentiles who came to faith in Jesus, right? These men were filled with the Spirit themselves and they knew the truth, but they were in a, diff they were in a difficult predicament here. James and all these guys that are making this decision, it was difficult because they lived in Jerusalem. Okay, and they didn't want to cause more persecution upon themselves, more trouble, right? And, and again, they were raised in that same religion as everyone else. But these things here in verse 20 were very common sense things that they thought, okay, just tell them to at least, you know, make sure they obey this. And the Holy Spirit was going to lead these people anyway into doing what was right and to doing what was good. But again, they find the most uh, congenial way, if you will, of, de of dealing with this situation that would allow them to continue to try to reach the lost Jews, as well as to continue to see uh, to it that they did not hinder the work of the Holy Spirit 
in the lives of the Gentiles. And James says in verse 21, he says, For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in a synagogue every Sabbath. So, look, not only did it make sense that the Gentiles abstained from things polluted by idols, idolatry, right? To abstain from sexual immorality and to abstain from things strangled and from blood, you know, certain dietary laws and all that. But there's no reason to offend the Jews in their religious beliefs. And that's what James is kind of pointing out there in verse 20. Look, hey, Moses has been preached throughout all the centuries. These people have their religion. You know, we don't need to go and slam them for what they do. We need to love them. We need to bring them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But sometimes people have, you know, they've been raised their whole life in a certain way of life. They've been raised their whole life in a certain religion. And yes, everyone needs to come in to faith in, in Jesus and be born again of the Spirit. But some people are just ignorant to the truth, ignorant to the Word of God. They don't do what we're doing right here. Some people don't sit down and just say, okay, let's take the Bible and read it. They don't even go to a church that opens a Bible, maybe nowadays. There's many religions that don't even open the Bible, right? So, they, so what do you expect? They're, they're just, they just don't know. They're ignorant to what is written in the Scriptures. So, but we need to be a people that loves people, not condemns people and puts them down for their religion. And that's what James is saying here. Hey, let's be understanding of this, you know. We don't... Let's, let's not try to just drop a bomb on their religion. Let's, let's love them and let's teach them. And let's say, hey, you know, they, they've been taught this for years and years. Like James says here, Moses has been taught, the law of Moses, that is, had been taught for years. Okay? So anyway, verse 22 continues and says, Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Namely, Judas, who um, was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren, they wrote this letter to them. Okay? The apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greeting. So that's the, that, now, that's a big deal right there. These Jewish believers in Jesus write this letter to the Gentiles, and in the writing they call them brethren. So they come to a place where they recognize, they're recognizing finally that this wasn't just all about the Jews, what Jesus did. This wasn't about the, you know, just Jews that would come to Jesus. This was about all of mankind. So they were accepting these Gentiles as brethren now, brothers in Christ, right? And they're basically apologizing here and saying, hey, look, don't worry about what you heard. Hey, we're sorry about these Pharisees that came down here and tried to put this burden on you and tell you that you needed to be circumcised, you know. So he, the letter continues here in verse 24. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. They're saying, hey, that didn't come from us, right? We, we're not the ones who did that. But he says, hey, it seemed good to us 
being assembled with one accord. In other words, hey, we had a meeting. We gathered together here. And we've decided to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood and from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Farewell. So that was the letter, short and sweet and to the point. The Holy Spirit was working in the lives of these Gentiles, the Pharisees came in and caused the confusion by teaching a false doctrine, and the church in Jerusalem took the time to clear up the matter. That's what this chapter is about. They gather together to clear up this matter, right? So good on them, right? And then the, then the story continues in verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now, I can imagine that to the men of that city that were told they had to get circumcised, that this indeed was a big encouragement that they didn't have to, okay? That that wasn't part of the truth. That wasn't part of what the Lord would have for them. So verse 32, now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So this was a good thing here. Other mature believers have come into town with Paul and Barnabas and exhorting the new, they were exhorting the new converts, encouraging them. And this too should be the case when we gather in the church today. We should exhort one another in the Lord and in the word of God. Then verse 33 says, and after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Now again, remember, time is going by here. When it says they remained there, time is passing by. Days, months, we don't really know exactly, but time is passing by, right? But we really shouldn't skip over the end of uh, verse 35 there too quickly, right? It says that not only were Paul and Barnabas and Silas teaching and preaching the word in Antioch, but it says, but many others were there teaching as well. Again, everything couldn't be written down. I mean, I'm sure there's so many more stories that we could know about, about all the other men that were preaching the gospel there and doing the work of the Lord, right? The Spirit of the Lord works today through the hearts of men and women that are willing to submit to the Lord and commit to the Lord. And back in those days, the apostles there were, and many others were preaching and teaching the Word. And, and again, we don't have those words recorded today, okay? But we do have what we do have here in the Bible that we can learn from and grow from, right? But let's keep reading verse 36. It says, Then after some days Paul said to Barnabas, let us, know, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Okay, so this is a good idea, right? 
But in verse 37, we're going to find out that a conflict now is going to arise between Paul and Barnabas. And it says in verse 37, Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. Okay. Now this Mark is the Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark that we have in our Bibles. He was a, re a relative of Barnabas, and he wanted to... Um, Barnabas wanted to take him along on this journey to go back and visit the churches that they had planted. But Paul insisted, it says in verse 38, that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, just like you know, a few we talked about a few minutes ago, there was there was much work to be done and plenty enough work to go around. And in my opinion here, and it's just my opinion, but Paul seemed a bit stubborn here and not being willing to forgive Mark or give Mark another chance. But again, that's just my opinion. None of this was going to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, that the Holy Spirit was doing in that day. And I, I love how the Bible is so honest in everything it says. I mean, sometimes people want to cover up the little dirty secrets that go on, the little disputes and fights that go on in people's lives. But the Bible is very honest here and just says, hey, look, these guys were arguing with one another. They were in a disagreement with, with one another. But they were still men that were being used by the Lord, you know, and they just went their separate ways. And who knows what Mark and Barnabas did? We don't have records of that. When, when, they, when they went on to Cyprus, as it says, we don't have records of what happened there. But they were determined to preach the gospel. And that's what we're reading about as we read the book of Acts, was the spreading of the gospel, the truth of the word of God. You know, the spirit of the Lord continues today to reach out to the lost. Today we see the world declining, you know, all over the world. I mean, our own country here as well, right? But that's been the case since Adam and Eve were evicted from the garden for their sin, right? But thanks be to God that he has a plan. He's still working. God is still working by his Holy Spirit. And today, the same holds true. What these men were setting out to do to preach the gospel, to bring people to Jesus Christ, still needs to be done today. And your heart, if you're listening to this, you're watching this, whatever the case may be, you must be born again. You must repent. You must come to faith in Jesus. That's what they were preaching in that day, and that's the same truth, the same gospel that is preached today. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through Him. So we'll go ahead and close it here for today. Uh, we'll gather again, um, whatever chapter we end up going into. I'm continuing just to go through the book of Acts systematically over a long period of time and fill in other teachings as, as we can. But let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this good day. We thank you, God, that you have not left us comfortless. You have not left us alone. You have not left us without instruction. You have given us your word.
that we can grow in an understanding of you and your will for our lives, Lord. And I pray that your will will be done in each of our hearts today, Lord, that, that your, your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Let your will be done, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity again to gather around your word. And we pray that until we come together again, Lord, that you would work in us and through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, whichever, whichever the case may be. And we will see you next time.